love you too, bro. They're very deep theological conversations. <laughs> kind of like uh, the sermon that I'm going to be preaching on today. Very deep, very theological. Um, but I know you guys are going to, you guys got your notes and your um, thesauruses and such with you. Um, no, but I'm really, I have a very simple message tonight, and I hope you guys are blessed by it. Um, who is blessed by the worship tonight? <laughs> Amen. I was just, um, man, I'm just so grateful for House on the Rock Church. And, uh, you know, first off, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Gary, um, for letting me come up here and preach on your pulpit. And, you know, Pastor Paul, for giving me the opportunity to, to, to really be a representative here at Brooklyn Teen Challenge to share what God has put on my heart for you guys today. And it's, it's, a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be up here. And I'm very grateful. So thank you, guys. Um, you know, I was actually speaking to Pastor Paul a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was asking him, I said, well, uh, Pastor Paul, when, when can I come to Coffee House and not wear a mask? He says, well, you know, Alex, the next time you come to Coffee House, you don't have to wear a mask because you're going to get to preach. <laughs> Amen? And so if that's the way that you have to take the mask off, then uh, I'll take it. Amen? Um, but as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you guys today, as I was praying and I was deep in thought with the Lord, um, it happened to be the week before uh, Valentine's Day. And so I was originally supposed to preach last Friday, but because of the snow um, and because Brooklyn Teen Challenge were warriors and we're out there shoveling snow um, like crazy, we had canceled Coffee House, but um, it's still a very relevant message that the Lord put in my heart um, because even though Valentine's Day was a few days ago. Um, as my girlfriend knows, every day is Valentine's Day, right? Um, and, uh, and, uh, and really, honestly, in, in, in for now, um, I'm really enjoying it, Pastor Paul. Don't ruin it. Um, but, uh, but in the same context, um, in the context of my, my sermon and my message that I want to share with you guys today is that it's Valentine's Day every day for us with the Lord because God is perpetually seeking after us and he, wa he wants relationship with us and he loves us and, um, you know, he's pursuing us always, right, Francine? And, and so I thought, you know, since it was Valentine's Day weeks, uh, I, f I, th I figured I would just talk about love, right? Um, so what is love, um, you know, and what uh, as Christians, how do we perceive love, and how do we love other people? And um, I'm going to get into all that here in a little, in a little bit, but I just want to talk a little bit here in the beginning about um, the world, right? So we live in the world. We're Christians. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? And so um, the world has a different perspective of love. Wouldn't you guys agree? Um, all my Christian brothers and sisters, sisters in here, wouldn't you guys agree that the world's perspective of love is different? Um, the way that I the way that I witnessed the world love, you know, coming from a family that and I grew up in the world and not having, you know, strong Christian family members or being in a strong Christian household was love was very um, synthetic. Uh, it was very uh, uh, shallow, very uh, just uh, just fake, you know, in the world. It's like you see, you look on the television and you see like what like love what is love representing um, through celebrities, people getting together, having kids, breaking up, you know, and that was just my perspective of what worldly love was. It was, an, it was a synthetic type of love. It was something that the world was trying to imitate because God created love, because God is love, but the world just has, an, doesn't have a good way of 
uh, showing love. You know what I'm saying? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I hope I'm making some sense. Um, and so because of growing up in this, you know, in the life that I grew up in, um, not having really strong, uh, you know, Christian family members or even being raised up in a, in a strong Christian household, uh, I, too, started to look at, uh, you know, look through love in a different kind of lens, right? Um, I was like, you know, uh, physical features, that's was love, you know. Um, what can I get from this person? That is love. You know, looking at my mother and her relationship with my sister's dad and watching them fight, you know, like thinking that maybe that's how you love somebody. You love them because you have to argue with them or you have to fight each other, you know. And so you have this mis- – I had this misconception of what love truly was, and it, and it, and it, and it messed my head up a little bit. Um, I'm okay now, babe. God is good. Um, trust me. We're good. But as a kid – BC, AWBC, Alex Willis before Christ, I didn't have a very good understanding of love. Matter of fact, when I was in high school, got my heart broken, um, I used to say, well, love is a four-letter lie. It's all a lie. There's There's no way that people could truly love one another. That's just, you know, BS that you hear in love songs and you know, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and all that. You know, what, what, what is love, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, the world has such a twisted view of love, when, and that's really what I wanted to get at here in this introduction. Um, you know, A.W. Tozer, a good author that a lot of great pastors uh, quote, and I'm <laughs> thankful I get to quote him today, um, says, those in the kingdom of the world cannot accept or appreciate the love Christ has for him, for them. In, in this kingdom of God, I have the ability to receive from Christ the love he has for me. I must understand that the focus of all God's love is on his people because they are the ones who can receive it and believe it. Amen? It's God's people who can receive it and believe it. Amen? So I believe as Christians, we have a whole new understanding about what love is, what love does, and who love is. Amen. And so tonight, guys, I just want to share with you uh, what the Lord has put on my heart about what the love of Jesus is like and how, as Christians, we can replicate or imitate or show the love of Jesus to other people. So let me pray really quick before I start. Uh, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to be up here today, Lord, to to share uh, this word that you put into my heart, God, that you want uh, these wonderful people to hear, Lord. I pray, uh, Lord, that the, the word would not go void, that people would truly grab a hold of your love, God. It's a love that we know that breaks addiction, that, that heals diseases, um, a love that is, uh, is, is just amazing, God. And so we're just so grateful to be here today. I'm so grateful, God, that I can be here today to be your representative to share this word tonight, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. I love you so much, God, and uh, I hope this is going to be good. Amen. 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 So I believe that if we want to learn uh, how to love people and how Jesus loved us, we must first understand uh, what love is. Like, we have to get a definition, right? And so I did some deep theological searching, as uh, Levi would say, and I went to the World Wide Web, and I Googled <laughs> the, dif- the definition of love. And Google defines love in, in the form of a noun as an intense feeling of deep affection or a great interest in pleasure in something. <clears throat> the verb or action is to feel deep affection for someone or something and to like or enjoy very much. It's kind of a broad definition of love, right? And I believe that it's true. You know, it's a great definition of love, but I believe it's a partial definition of love. Wouldn't you agree, Pastor Gary? It's a partial definition. That's what Google says. Um, 
you know, and it's a worldly definition. Uh, yes, love is an intense feeling of deep affection, but it is way more than that. Amen? Um, so what does the Bible define love as? What does the Bible say that love is? And I love, I love what the Bible says about love. <laughs> Amen? Um, so the Apostle Paul, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, he has his own de- definition of love. And uh, I'm going to read it here for you guys. And he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And love never fails. Wow, that's a really great definition of love. And it seems like almost in some of those cases, really hard to love, to be patient when you're frustrated, um, you know, to not, uh, to be kind when you're just, you know, angry, um, you know, not delighting in evil, but rejoicing in the truth. Some of those things seem kind of difficult at times. I know we can get in the flesh. We're Christians. We're, you know, we're born again. We have the Holy Spirit in us. I hope that all of us have the Holy Spirit in us. And, but we have the flesh. We live in a body, right? And we were born, you know, into this world, and we still have to deal with things. And so at times, I believe that it's really difficult to, to follow through with some of those things. Wouldn't you guys agree? So with this definition of love in mind, how can we, as believers, love the same way Jesus loved others? And what happens when we love others the way that Christ loves us? Um, I know that it's literally impossible to love people the way Jesus loved us, right? Because we would literally have to die. I mean, Jesus sacrificed his life. Jesus died so for, because he loved us so much. He died so that we could have freedom, so that we could know him, uh, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Amen? And so it is, it is impossible. I mean, I don't think anybody in here is going to be crucified today, but I know that it's, it's impossible to love people the way Jesus truly loved us. Um, Paul exclaims in his letter to the Romans in chapter 5, He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me, right? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, stuck in our addiction, uh, separated from Christ, hurting the people that we loved, living immoral lives, seeking after meaningless hopeless, stupid things, worshiping idols. When we were doing all that stuff, when we were enemies with God, Christ died for us. Amen? That's incredible news. Where's the backflippers in here? (laughs) I mean, if I could, I would. I'd do one. Maybe I just need to have a little bit more faith. Amen? But that's the kind of love that only God can produce, right? That's the only love that God can produce, that kind of love that even when we're enemies with him, he would die for us. And that's incredible. Um, But this is a love as Christians that we need to try our best to imitate and replicate. And that's really the main. I mean, I I don't have a three-point sermon today, guys, for you. But I do have a main point. And that I want to drive into us as as Christians, as believers in a world that needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. And so it's so vital. It's so important for us to share the love of Christ to the people around us, the, the people that don't know who Jesus is. You know, and so Jesus gave us some really good examples um, of, and, and, and instructions and in how we can replicate um, and, and instruct that and show that to others, right? Um, 
some of his examples uh, are, and, and he left these examples to his disciples in, in Scripture. He showed these things to his disciples so that they could learn, and they were with him all the time, the 12 dudes that were hanging with Jesus all the time. Um, and uh, he fed the 5,000. You know, there was moments, I'm sure, in Jesus' life, in his ministry, when he was exhausted. Uh, I mean, he was Jesus. He was God, right? People heard about him. Every time he would go to a new town, people would flock him. This dude was like 24-7. I mean, he was getting hit with people. And I don't know if you guys, I mean, Pastor Paul, Pastor Gary, Pastor Levi, I know you guys know what ministry is like. And I, and I don't know if everybody knows that, but it can be so exhausting to be around people all the time. And it, it does. It does. It takes a lot out of you. But what does Jesus do? People are hungry. He feeds the 5,000. He feeds the 5,000. That doesn't include women and children, right? So he goes out. He, d- despite the way he might have felt, he still feeds the 5,000. He's showing this to his disciples, right? And, th- and this is what we're supposed to be learning. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears, right? He hung out with the sinners, the tax collectors, the, socially, the social rejects, and um, and he, despite what others said about him, despite what people were saying about him, he uh, broke those boundaries. He hung out with the lost and broken. Uh, he went out of his way. He put in the work uh, because he wanted to show the disciples, this is how you truly love others. You have to. You have to get outside of yourself. You have to go past the social boundary. You have to, to do whatever you got to do um, to show people, to show them how much you love them. Amen. You know, there's a story in scripture that I'm sure you guys are familiar with, and Jesus is hanging out with Levi, not this Levi. Uh, He's too young. Uh, He's hanging out with Levi, the guy who wrote the book of Matthew, uh, the tax collector, and he's at his house. He's eating dinner with them. Levi, you know, he's just a tax collector, and I don't know if you're familiar, um, my Bible scholars in here, but tax collectors were like the lowest of the low. They were scum. They were dudes that were, they're Israelites that were stealing money from other Israelites, so um, they were like the bottom of the barrel, right? There are people that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the zealots, and even just the common folk would try to stay away from. Like if you hung out with tax collectors, you were a bad dude. You know, they're thugs, they're crooks. And here's Jesus, the son of the living God, uh, the Messiah, and he's literally hanging out with this dude who's robbing his own people. He's cheating his own people out of money. And he hangs out with them. And, you know, as he's hanging out with the tax collector, as he's hanging out with Levi, uh, not this Levi, different Levi, um, what are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders doing? They're scoffing at him. They're, they're like, what is this guy doing? He's hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with this thug. He's hanging out with these, these low lives. And I love Jesus' response to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Oh, man, I love that statement. I love what Jesus says right there because you know what? That's me. I'm the tax collector. I'm the sinner. I'm the guy that so desperately needed Jesus to, like, break that social boundary and hang out with me, you know? I needed him to get low to where I was at when I was in the pit, when I was in the bottom of my addiction, right? Right, Lawrence? I needed Jesus. Amen? Despite the backlash Jesus received from the Pharisees, Jesus broke the, social, the societal boundaries and loved those who were considered to be unlovable during that cultural setting, right? Loving like Jesus looks like going to those uncomfortable situations to ensure that the needs of the people are met, right? And that's what I, another thing that I love about 
Brooklyn Teen Challenge. It's because we bring people in. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your background looks like. You could be a thug. You could be a gangbanger. You could be a tax collector, you know? And you could come into our program, and we're going to help you despite what crazy stuff you did. You know, man, I'm going to get into that even more later, but I won't ruin it for you. But just, uh, that is what loving Jesus looks like. I mean, that's what loving like Jesus looks like. Amen. Paul writes in Romans 12, 9 through 10. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's, I love Paul, man. He's so, he's so awesome. I just love what he has to say about love. Again, we live in a society that is selfish, self-seeking, where people cannot look beyond themselves. They look at the, the physical part of who you are. They look at your money. They look at what you have. They look at your, man, this guy's got a nice car. He, you know, they look at your social standing in society. Um, and we have to break the boundaries and look beyond the uncomfortability. We have to be sincere in our heart, and we have to have love for others and look to the person like Jesus did. We, ha- we can't be like the world, guys. We can't be looking at the physical part of people. We can't be looking at the flesh, you know, and, and being like the world. But we have to look at the person. We have to look beyond the sin and look at the sinner. Amen? Amen. When we choose to go out of our way to be, to, when we choose to go out of our way to the unlovable, the rejected, the outcast, we are following in the foots, footsteps of Jesus. And we are truly fulfilling what the Great Commission calls us to do, right? The Apostle John says in 1 John 4, 9-12, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Though this is, the, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son and is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but we love one another. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. When we love one another, God lives in us. Amen? When we love one another, God lives in us. This is incredible. We are literally imitating the character of God when we love people. That's it. God demonstrates his love. How? By loving people. Amen? Loving people like Jesus means that we have to lay down our lives for the people that we care about. We have to lay down our lives for our brothers, right? Jesus said in John 15, 13, he says, greater love is none like this than to lay one's life down for his friend, right? And as Christians, as believers, we have to lay our lives down for those who we love. And, and we, we, have to, we have to get outside of ourselves. And, and I'm not saying like die, I mean, if you really need to be in that place where you're going to take a bullet for a brother, do it. You know, I'm sure that'd be great. But I'm saying, like, you have to lay down your own agenda. You have to lay down your, your personal rights. You have to lay down your feelings. You know, this person wronged me. I'm mad at him. I have to lay that down because, you know what, I need to show this person that I love him. And that's what's going to break the boundary. That's what's going to change people's lives. That's how radical transformation happens. It's by laying those things down. Because what? Love is a sacrifice. And Jesus shows us that. He shows us that love is a, a sacrifice. If we, consider, if we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, it is imperative that we get outside of ourselves and our own agenda and lay our lives down. Amen? And do what God has commissioned us to do. You know, I was talking with somebody the other day about how we're sick of the American Western church. 
right? I'm just sick of it. I'm No offense, Pastor Gary, and I'm not speaking to you. I'm just speaking of the American Western church in general. Um, and like how just crazy it is right now um, and how, how it operates oftentimes in the United States. Uh, people just go to church uh, to experience God, but they're not going out and ex- showing people who God is, right? Like they go, they, they, like, they think that church is just a building and it's like a place that you go and then that's it and then you leave. And that's not what church is. You know, we are the church. We are the body of Christ and we need to be out there. We need to be showing people love, right? And, you know, and I was talking with Pastor Paul about this too. It's like, you know, right now, more than ever in this pandemic, you know, COVID-19, we don't need to be shutting the doors of the church. We need to be opening the doors of the church. We need to be out there in the highways and the byways and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people so that they can know that there is someone who has the ability to take them out of their desperate situation, their hopeless situation. You know, people have lost jobs. People have lost family members. People ha- are, are, are just going through it, right? I mean, you, I'm sure all of you know someone who is just struggling right now. We do not need to be closing the doors of the church. I don't care how big your church is. Grow a spine. Sorry. Not sorry. I can say that because I'm not a pastor. <laughs> you know? Um, but just we have, to, we have to be like Jesus, right? We have to show the love of Christ. And we have to open the doors. You know, we have to be out there. I'm sick of playing church sick of playing church games. I'm sick of, like, I read about Christ in, in the scriptures. I read about the disciples and the apostles and what they were doing, and they were literally, like, they were, like, risking their lives. Like, dude, COVID-19, 98% success rate of, like, you're not going to die. What are we afraid of as Christians, right? If we believe that Jesus is our healer, then what are we afraid of, right? Amen. Let us love people, and let's go out there, and let's let's get them, you know? Let's help them. And let's not be afraid of some stupid disease. And I'm ranting. And it's frustrating, but it's true. You know, I believe that the the pandemic has really shown the true colors of the American church. It's really shown the true colors of, and and, and it's funny, and Pastor Paul's laughing because we were literally just talking about this, but um, not that he was agreeing with me, you know, but he was. um, (laughs) I'm trying to throw him down, (laughs) throw him under the bus a little bit. But you know, love breaks boundaries. You know, love takes risks. Amen. You know, Pastor Gary, you said something the other day during the baptism service that really struck a chord with me. And you were talking about how back in the olden days, back in the beginning of the church, if anybody had a reason to socially distance themselves, it would be the early church leaders because they were literally, they had every reason to fear for their lives that they were going to be murdered for their faith in Christ. And a lot of, all of them were, right? They had every reason to be fearful, but they didn't socially distance themselves. They didn't stop going to church. They didn't stop preaching Jesus. They didn't do that because why? Because they were compelled by the love of Jesus Christ to save the lost and broken. They were compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. And so in 2021, I mean, what are we doing? We're hiding with masks. Anyway. I'll get off that. I'm sorry. So who are the people that God has commissioned us to serve? 
and I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it again, the people that God has commissioned us to serve are the lost, the addicted, the homeless, the ones living in sin, the ones that are stuck in their mistakes, the unlovable, the convicts, the people that no one else wants anything to do with, the person that I was before I came to Teen Challenge, the person that I was before I met Jesus Christ, those are the people that we are commissioned to serve. Amen? And those are the people that are out there in the streets that are hurting right now that need us as the body of Christ to love. We don't need to be afraid of, of, of you, know, you know what's crazy? Here's another rant. I got another rant. I, got, I love it. I got this mic. I can do whatever I want. Um, but I'm learning uh, TCDNA. We're, <laughs> Pastor Paul, we are learning uh, TCDNA. The staff, we're, we're going through the, TC, the DNA of Teen Challenge, right? We're going through all the old stories of Teen Challenge. And one story that really I thought was intriguing was Pastor Dave Wilkerson, our founder, you know, the GOAT, right? Greatest of all time. Love that dude. He's awesome. Um, you guys might have heard of him. If you're here, you might know who he is. Um, but he's taking, he's out there with his people, and some of these girls, they're like, like high school students. They're like 17 years old, 16 years old. They're in Harlem in the 1950s. You remember this story? And they're out there like in pairs. These two girls, they're 17, 16 years old. They're out there just praying for people in hopes to like get them into Teen Challenge to help them get off drugs and, and to pray for them. These are 17 and 16-year-old girls. And the, the woman was telling me, sharing her testimony. She was not afraid they were not afraid. They did not have fear in their heart, right? It says in uh, it says in First John, it says, "Perfect love casts out all fear," right? So they were understood the perfect love of Jesus Christ, and they used that as momentum to go out and preach to the lost and the broken. They went out there and preached to the gangbangers. There was a, a part of her testimony was she was surrounded by gang members, and they were just praying. They're just like, you know what? We're just gonna pray and we're gonna sing hymns, and literally the gang members just stood there, looked at them, and they walked away. Probably thought they were crazy. Uh, didn't want anything to do with them, but they were crazy because they had the love of Christ in them, and they were not afraid. Amen. We cannot let fear stop us from doing what God is calling us to do. Amen. That should have been my topic. I could write more about that. Maybe next time. John 3.16. Everybody knows it. God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting li life, Right? God so loved the world. God loved the whole world. He loved everybody, everyone in sin. He loved, I can't say it, but he loved a lot of people. Um, he loved the, the, the convicts. He loved the liars, the cheaters, the stealers. He loved, he loved uh, the people that were believing in other uh, gods and idols, right? He loved them too. He loved all those people so much that he gave his only son as a sacrifice for us so that we can know who he is. Amen? Amen. So now that we kind of have defined what love does or who love is and what Jesus, what the love of Jesus looks like, what exactly does this kind of love do for people, right? And why is it so important for us to demonstrate that love to others? So I'm going to share a couple of more stories with you guys tonight. I love it. Story time with Alex Willis. Um, so the first story that I want to share with you guys is a story that comes from the book of uh, Acts, chapter 3. And it's the story, uh, Peter and John, they're hanging out, they're walking up to the temple gate uh, called Beautiful, right? And they're walking by, and they just, all of a sudden, there's this lame beggar that's there, and all of, he catches their attention. And they probably have gone through this temple gate 100,000 times, right? 
And this is literally after, like, the, they had received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, right? But now they see this man through another lens. And it's the, it's the love of Christ that compels them. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ that compels them to stop and, and, and speak to this man, this lame beggar. And eventually, because of that, because they took their time to speak to this lame beggar, a guy that you see on the A train, right? A train. This guy that's walking by that you walk by all the time. They stopped and they spoke to this guy. And he was able to get his healing because they took the time to love that brother. Amen? They took the time to, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many times have you guys been in the A train or in the city or wherever, and you see somebody, and you just want, like, and I know this, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. Walking by, and you see somebody hurting, and they're just like, oh, man, I really want this person to know Jesus. But then you don't say nothing. God, that sucks. And, you know, I know this is a message for me. I want to learn to love people more like Jesus. I want to be the person that's bold enough to pray for that person, to pull them off, you know, to, to scrape them out of the, off the street and bring them into Teen Challenge or bring them somewhere, help them somehow, right? And uh, another story that I want to share with you guys is there's a story about a, there's a, there's a, there's a pastor, and he is reading a time, he's reading a magazine, and he sees there's a guy, a bunch of boys on trial, and they murdered this guy in a park. He was a he was he had polio. Um, his name was Michael Farmer, and this was in the 1950s, right? And this pastor had just this 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 he had like this he saw these boys and he did just felt this love for these boys, right? He said, "Man, these kids are young. Why? Are, what is what is it about these kids that made them to do such a tragic thing, right?" And because of the love of Jesus Christ in his heart, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to go uh, to New York City. He came in from Pennsylvania to New York City to go and meet those boys, right? But unfortunately, he wasn't able to meet those boys, but he was there because God brought him there for a purpose, right? And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give up here. I can't speak to these boys because the courts won't let me, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the love that I have for these boys, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to try to reach somebody, right? I'm going to go out there and try to reach somebody. So eventually... He's out there, and he's preaching on the corners, and he's sharing. He's saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he's telling people that, God, there's a plan for their lives. And this, this gang member comes up to him, this group of gang members, and they come up to him. And the one guy says, you know what? He, he says a bunch of crazy stuff, probably a bunch of explicit stuff. And he spits on him, and he pulls a switchblade on him, and he says, he's like, I'm going to kill you. Pastor, you better shut up. He says, you know what? You can cut me into a million little pieces, but every piece is going to love you all the more. You guys know who I'm talking about? Yes. Praise God. You guys read the book. <laughs> all the students get an A today. <laughs> Amen. But it, I share that story, and it was, it was a profound story to me, and I really love that because it was the love of Jesus Christ that was so powerful. It was so transformative. It was... Pastor Dave's response to Nikki Cruz that really set Nikki Cruz on a trajectory that would forever change his life and millions of people worldwide because of this interaction that they had. Because a pastor didn't get in his flesh because he had the, the gall, he had the, the backbone to go out to the streets of New York City in, in a time where it was like it was like Beirut, right? Crazier than now. I know it's crazier back then than it was now. And he went out there. He didn't care about his, he didn't, you know what, he trusted in God and he had love and he was able to, to minister to this guy and change the, the course of this one man's life who was able to help millions of people worldwide. That's the kind of love that I want in my life. 
that's the kind of love that I want to imitate. That's the kind of love that I want to share with people. That's the kind of love that I believe that Jesus is, like, he wants to impart on us so that we could go out and just stop being just people, like, not doing anything, but, like, really doing something and making an impact in people's lives. Amen? Amen? I have a burden in my heart, Pastor Paul. You know? A burden. You know, I, my final story that I want to share with you guys is my own personal story of how I was in a broken place and I was not living for God and I was just doing crazy stuff and I found myself locked up and just facing, you know, time in prison. And I met a guy, a chaplain at the jail that I was in. His name is Tom Terrell. And he showed me, he, I experienced the love of Jesus Christ through this man who who treated me like a son. I didn't know this guy. You know, I, to, I had this vision. I had this, like, like I, I saw myself as, like, a drug addict, you know, criminal. You know, this is who I am. You know, I don't know you, man. But he did not stop loving me. And he would, he would, he would, he would, he would be consistent. He would be persistent in just sharing scriptures with me, sharing scriptures with me. And when I got out of jail, I ended up being discipled in a program that he was a part of. And it was because of that relationship, it was because of the love that they showed me that had such an impact in my life, even though I backslid and I ended up coming to Teen Challenge, it was something that I'll never forget, the love that somebody had. They took their time. They took time out of their own life. They texted me. When I was on my relapse, they texted me every single day, Alex, where are you? We love you. God loves you. You know, we want to help you out. Come home. Come home. I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not related to you. <laughs> Come home. What are you talking about? I don't have a home. I'm living out of my car right now. Are you smoking crack? I thought I was the one on drugs. But it was it was the love of Jesus Christ that I experienced through these people that radically changed my life. And my prayer and my hope um, for everyone in here is that they have someone that can that can share that love with them, that they are feeling loved, and so that they can also love in return. You know, the Apostle Paul says, if we speak in tongues of men and angels, but we do not have love, we are just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> if we have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and the knowledge on what we have and, and have faith that can literally move mountains, we have nothing without love, right? If we give all to the poor and give all of our time serving ministry, but we don't have love, it is meaningless, we have to have love. You can be a hard worker. You can have, be very gifted. You can be talented. You can, you can offer a lot of things in the world. But if you don't have love, it's like, it's pointless. Right? Love, this is my point. Here it is. You guys want a point? I got you. If you want to write it down in your chapel notes, students, this is it. Love needs to be the motivating force that drives us to evangelize to the lost and broken. It needs to be the motivating force that drives us. It needs to be the fuel that empowers us in our relationship with others. And as Christians, love needs to be our identity. Amen? Jesus says that people will know that we are his disciples by what? By the love that we have for one another. Amen? I hope I look like a Christian. I hope that I'm identified as a Christian. I hope that people see me as someone that loves other people. That's my prayer, and I hope that for you as well if you're a Christian. But let me remind you of this. 
None of this is power. None of this is possible. We can't experience this kind of love, and we cannot share this kind of love without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We can't produce this kind of love if we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. If we're being led by our flesh, we're not going to be able to love, right? Maybe a physical love that's, you know, shallow and hollow and meaningless. But the Holy Spirit is the one that gave, that gave Pastor Dave the ability to love Nikki Cruz. It was the Holy Spirit that prompted uh, Peter and John to stop and speak to that guy that was begging for money. It was the Holy Spirit that was working through Tom Terrell to show love and invest his time into a guy like me. It was the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the worship team, you guys can come up. On Time Ministries, right? And this leads me to my final... Uh, commission or invitation, right? It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can do these things. If you guys want to experience the love that I'm talking about, if you've never experienced it, if you want to be able to produce the kind of love that I'm sharing with you, the love that only Jesus, that only having Christ in your life can produce, you have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Right, Pastor Gary? Am I wrong? Is that a lie? Okay, good. I double-checked. I got to double-check. Amen. But none of this is possible without the Holy Spirit. And if you have not given your heart to Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm sorry. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior...